healing for the last four weeks. We've talked about healing of our minds, healing of our relationships, healing of our finances, and today we're going to talk about God healing our pasts. Amen? How many could say, I've got a past that I need to be forgiven of? Amen? And not just forgiven of, but healed of. I want you to think about this. What do Moses and Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and Sarah and Noah and Samson and Gideon and Rahab and Ruth and not our Ruth and David and Elijah and Jonah and Mary Magdalene and Peter and Thomas and Paul and all the rest of the people. What do they have in common? Does anybody know what all those people have in common except that they've been in the Bible and if you were in the first service you can't say anything. Amen? What they have in common is they had failures and mistakes that they made. I mean, no, you weren't expecting that. When you start thinking about all those names in the Bible, you don't think about their failures and their mistakes because we know how they finished. We know how they, how they finished the race and how they ended. But the Bible, I, one thing I love about the Bible, one of the many things I love is that it's full of people who messed up. How many in here could raise your hand and say, I've made some mistakes? Amen. How many could raise both hands and both feet that we've made some mistakes? How many know we, if you didn't raise your hand, you just made a mistake? You just lied in church. Amen. We're fallen people. We're sinners. We make mistakes. And I really believe this morning that God, if you'll listen, God is going to heal us from our past. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to anoint your word this morning. God bless every person that's here. I thank you for your power to heal our past and to show us truly that we are forgiven this morning. Lord, break the chains off of our lives. Speak to us. Help us not to be distracted and help us to hear your word and receive it as your word this morning. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All these people made mistakes. All these people had a past. And you, you, here's some examples. Abraham, the, our father Abraham, the one who, who's... The, the father of our faith, he lied about his wife twice. Moses killed a guy in broad daylight. Sarah, Abraham's wife, laughed at the promise of God and then denied that she laughed about it. Jacob lied a lot and was a Kenever. Actually, was what his name Jacob meant before they changed his name to Israel. Noah got drunk. I know some of y'all didn't know that. Noah got drunk. Samson was a womanizer. Gideon was fearful. I mean, no, that's a, that's a sin. Why is, why is being fearful a sin? Because it's the opposite of faith. Rahab was a prostitute. Elijah was deeply depressed and didn't want to live. Jonah ran from God and disobeyed God. The disciples fell asleep when they should have been praying. Peter denied the Lord three times, and Paul killed and imprisoned Christians. You know, that's the Bible that you read today. The Bible that all of us read this morning is filled with those names of people who've made mistakes. How many know mistakes and sins are going to be things that we have to deal with in our lives? We come to the Lord, and we get a revelation that Jesus can forgive us. I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. And I want us to focus on a powerful verse that will tell us this morning that yes, we have made some mistakes, but now that we believe in Jesus, Jesus can change our past. Jesus can give us a new future. And it says, therefore, if anyone 
How many know anyone means you? Anyone means the person next to you, the person behind you, the person in front of you. How many know in a church sometimes you might have invited somebody here or you might have ran together? In our church, we got a lot of people who ran together before they got saved. So we know some of the stuff about our friends in this place. We know, we, we start thinking about what they used to be and what they used to do. And thank God it says anyone who is in Christ is what? A new creation. How many are thankful today that we can be a new creation? And that all the old things, it says there, have passed away. Now I want you to think about the word passed away. How many know when somebody dies, we say they passed away? Sometimes they'll say they went to be with the Lord, or they died, or they're deceased. But this is, they passed away. And, and how many know when something's passed away, it means it's dead and in the grave? Now, I want you to think about this for a second. I know it's... There are some people who are weird, and maybe you're here, and I'm not trying to call you weird, but they talk to people after they die. I mean, no, that's kind of weird. Like people go, man, it's quiet in here. Y'all, who died? Did somebody die? I don't see a casket. Is there a casket in here somewhere? Man, shake the person, hit the person next to you. Say, wake up. It's too late to be asleep. Amen. Passed away means it's dead. They're in the grave. So you don't go, I know some people you go to visit the grave and you start talking to them and you want to talk to them because you miss them, but how many, how many know they're not going to talk back? When something is passed away, it's dead. So you need to look at your past like something that's dead. You need to look at your past as something that's no longer alive and you're not going to talk to it, you're not going to have conversations with it, although the devil will try to come and visit you from the past, from the dead and he'll try to remind you of things. But this word here tells me that now that things have, old things have passed away, behold, all things. Somebody say all things. That means everything have become new. Now some of you just thought of that person next to you and you thought, man, not all things. All things. Everything. Everything you've ever done has been passed away. And it says now all things are of God and he has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And watch this, has given us the ministry of reconciliation to be restored. Amen? He's given us an opportunity. If you read later in your Bibles, or if you've read before, Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the faith chapter. It's called the hall of faith. Not the hall of fame, it's called the hall of faith. And it mentions most of the people I mentioned right there in the Bible. And it talks about all, watch this, stay with me. It talks about all the things they did good for the Lord. But guess what it doesn't mention that in that hall of faith chapter? It doesn't mention their mistakes. Because they overcame their mistakes. They overcame their, their, their sins. They overcame their, their fears. They overcame their doubts. And they got into the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Because God is more concerned about our future than he is our past. Can somebody say amen? Luke 9.62 says this. Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow, and what? Looking back is, is fit for the kingdom of God. So God is calling us this morning to focus on the future. How many understand, you may have heard this before, why it's so important to realize that rearview mirror is small. It's small. It's not very big. It's just big enough to see behind you for you to back up, but how many know we don't drive backwards? Hopefully. Amen. 
We don't drive backwards. We drive forwards. And the only time, follow me with this, the only time you drive backwards and back up is to go in the direction of going forward. You pull back, and then you go forward. So God wants us to focus on that big, huge windshield that's in front of us that is the future. And we understand that sometimes we do have to look in that rearview mirror, and we have to go back a little bit to, to make a different turn. But we have to understand that the, that, that the rearview mirror is not our focus. Listen, you do not move ahead by constantly looking in the rearview mirror. How many know if you cannot look backwards and forwards at the same time? So if you're looking in the rearview mirror, you can't see what's ahead of you, or you can get distracted. I want you to think of your past as this, as a rudder. The rudder that moves the boat. For some people in here today, that past, your past, have, as you've learned from it, is your rudder. It's helping you, guide you through, and you're remembering what you went through so you don't go to it again. But if you don't look at God's forgiveness right and the healing of your past right, your past will be an anchor that will drag you. It will drag, you will drag that past. Some, some of you, I didn't say this in the first service, but a bunch of years ago, I don't remember how many it was, Brian would know I preached a, a message on baggage. And I had him come up with a whole bunch of suitcases. And he, by the time this, the illustrated sermon was over, he was carrying about six or seven bags. How many know that's not God's will for us, to be carrying baggage from our past? We've got to let some things go. We've got to trust God. Listen to this. You have to get past your past. Amen? You're not. How many want to do something for God in here? Is there anybody that wants to do something for the Lord in here? You're never going to do what God has for you to do until you get past your past. Can't live back there anymore. You've got to get over it. Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. He says, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. He's, what he's saying is, I don't understand everything. Is anybody in here like that? I don't get it all. But what I understand, he says, what I have understood and what I have right in my mind is that I've got to forget the things that are, which are behind me. I've got to let those things go, and I've got to reach forward to the things that are ahead. How many know that's what, where God's going to do something great? There's a battle in our lives this morning between darkness and light, between your past and your future, between God and, the, and Satan. And he wants to continually remind you of the things that you've done wrong. He wants to continually bring those things up. You know why? Because that's all he has on you. He doesn't know your future. How many know the next time the devil reminds you of your past, you need to tell him where he's going in his future? Amen? You know what Matthew 25 says? I don't have this in the scripture. I think it's around 41. He says in the Bible, he, Jesus says that I'm going to send Satan to hell where him and his demons belong. So when he tells you, man, you remember that thing you did? Say, yeah, I did, but it's under the blood. But what are you going to do about your future? I mean, no, Satan can't be forgiven. Remind him of his future, amen? Isaiah chapter 43. Listen to this. Powerful scripture. Don't remember the former things. Nor consider the things of old. So he's saying, I need you to stop pondering on those things and focusing on those things. Church, some of you in here today, you live in the past. You don't just think about the past, you live in the past. You're still there. You can't be there. Because if you're in the past, you can't go forward. And God has things for you that are powerful and supernatural. Listen to this. 
Watch this next verse, what it says. What God wants to do in you. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. Does anybody in here like new things? Yeah? Let me see your hand if you like new things. Something new, new gift, a new car, a new watch, a new whatever. I, I, I think new is better than old. Some things that are old, they've got their value, don't get me wrong, but there's nothing better than something new. Right? Even if you have a good refrigerator, how many know a new one's better? If you have a good car, a new car's better. And so he says, I'll do a new thing. And he says, it shall spring forth. Do you not know it? He's, he's basically saying, do you not understand that I'm a miracle God and I want to take your messed up past and I want to make a road where there's a wilderness. And I want to bring rivers out where there's a desert. You don't understand. God wants to do something supernatural in you this morning. He wants to take that tainted past and he wants to open up. God doesn't just make, a new, make, make us new. He does things that are supernatural that nobody else can explain. He says, I'm, I'm not just going to put you on a path. I'm going to put you on a path nobody can go on unless, it's my, unless it's, I'm, I'm, I'm involved and it's supernatural. That's what that means. A road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. If you're taking notes, write this down. I want you to tell the person next to you as you write it down. God wants to take your tragedy and turn it into triumph. <clears throat> Amen? You believe that? God wants to take your tragedy, turn it into triumph. How many have ever heard of the woman, Carla Faye Tucker? Anybody ever heard of her? A few of you? Back in the 80s, she committed a horrendous, horrendous murder. She was the first American woman to be sentenced to death by lethal injection in Texas since 1863. She was involved in a very, very violent uh, massacre with two, two men, uh, men and a man and a woman, and she killed them with a pickaxe. And she was arrested and put on death row, where she spent 14 years. How many know that's? How many know in this place you might have a rough past, but I don't think anybody here has done that. And listen, if you have, please come see me, because we're going to make a big testimony about you. I want to make a video and everything. Amen? If you've had that kind of crazy past, I want to talk to you. Because I want, I want to give God some glory. Can somebody say amen? So maybe when you hear that, going to death row, killing people with a pickaxe, you think, man, my past isn't quite so bad. Right? How many know our past has a lot to do with our past? The things we did has a lot to do with how we were raised. Carla Faye Tucker Talks, talked when she was alive about her parents divorcing, listen, at 10 years old, and she learned that the birth, her, her birth was the result of an extramarital affair. By age 12, she had begun taking drugs and having sex. She dropped out of school at age 14, followed her mother, listen to this, followed her mother Carolyn, a rock groupie, into prostitution. She would go around the country with her mom at 14, and, and, and be a groupie, prostituting with the rock groups. Soon after imprisoned, Tucker took a Bible that was given to her from prison ministry program, read it in her cell, and she later recalled, I began to read the Bible, and before I knew it, I found myself in the middle of my cell on my knees, asking God to forgive me. Does anybody in here believe that God can forgive an axe murderer? If you didn't raise your hand, you're in the wrong place. 
and you're reading the wrong book. Can I ask you again? Does anybody in here believe that God can forgive an axe murderer? Amen. I just make sure you're paying attention. You know what we do a lot of times? We like to, and we're all guilty of it, we like to, we like to measure out the sin. We like to say, well, I'm not as bad as the axe murderer. I haven't committed an affair. I haven't done drugs. I haven't whatever. But how many know the Bible says that our sins are like filthy rags? Whether you steal a piece of bubble gum or cuss or kill somebody, all of it's going to send you to hell if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Amen. But thank God for his mercy on this woman. She gets saved and she begins to preach the gospel in that, in that, in that prison. And the warden, listen to this, of Texas, is right down here in Huntsville, prison testified she was a model prisoner and he said after 14 years on death row, she was totally reformed. He goes on to say, sorry, she was, lethally, she was executed on February 3rd, 1998. Listen to this. As the deadly chemicals, it took her eight minutes to die. As the deadly chemicals were being administered, she praised Jesus, looked at the ceiling, and hummed as she was dying. Because she knew where she was going. The warden says, I was fond of Carla Faye, and I think she was fond of me. He goes on to say she was a born-again Christian. I had no reason to doubt her sincerity. I'm aware, he said, of that old saying that there are no atheists in foxholes. But she had a real, true spirituality about her. She ended up marrying the prison minister three years before she was executed. He says this, as far as I'm concerned, she was a good person who made terrible mistake wow listen to this she made such an impact in prison how many know it's one thing to say you've changed but it's another to really be changed it's one thing to say you believe your past is forgiven but it's another to really believe it this woman got saved miraculously we used to hear about her here in texas about all the years that because she got saved right as she got in so she preached for 14 years in that prison and listen to the impact that she made in that, in that prison. This same guy said, the on-site chaplain says that when she went to die, she was so popular with the inmates, had made such an impact on them that 18 different men said they would go to the gurney and stand in her place. That's an impact. Amen? God can take an axe murderer and change them and save them and turn them around. What's the difference between what she did and Moses killing that Egyptian in broad daylight? Is anybody here? What am I trying to tell you this morning? It I'm not trying to tell you to go out and kill somebody. I'm not trying to tell you you can get away with whatever you want. I'm trying to tell you if you've made some mistakes, the blood of Jesus is here to forgive you. He's here to give you a new beginning. He's here to give you a fresh future. He's here to heal your past. And he wants to this morning. Amen. I begin to think about how, how many examples there are in the Bible, and I just began to focus on David. They're all great. But David might be the best because he did so much wrong, but he turned it into so much right. How many are familiar with the story of David at all? If you don't, I'm going to talk to you this morning like you've never heard the Bible. There's a guy in the Bible named David. And he was a warrior. You might have heard sometime in your life about the story of David and Goliath. 
That's where David killed this big old nine-foot giant. It's that same David. He was only like 12 years old when he did that. So he goes in to become king, and he begins to make some mistakes. Talked about this in discipleship Friday morning. And what he did was he was in the wrong place. And how many know when you're in the wrong place, it's going to be the wrong time? Y'all get that? They say, we was in the wrong place at the wrong time. If you're in the wrong place, it's going to be the wrong time. And David, instead of going out to war, instead of going out and being with his men and fighting, he stayed home. He took a day off. And he was lazy, and he stayed home, and they went out to fight. And he was the king. He was supposed to be leading. He was supposed to be out there doing it. So just let me throw that into you real quick. When you get lazy and complacent, be careful. That's where trouble starts. So he's supposed to be out there fighting, and instead he's at home lounging on the top of his roof, and he looks over and he sees a beautiful woman named Bathsheba. And he tells his, his, his workers, go get her. And he, they bring her to her, and they, they have sex together, and they lie together, and he commits an affair with her. And then after that happens, he has to cover up his sin. And he, didn't, he doesn't admit it, he doesn't come forth, he doesn't confess it. So he covers it up. By telling Uriah, which was Bathsheba's husband, he says, come here, let me talk to you. And he comes and talks to him. He says, how's the war going? He says, man, we're fighting. He says, I want you to go home and be with your wife and take a day off and relax. So he tries to get him involved. The reason he wants him to go home is so he can sleep with his wife, so it looks like he got her pregnant. But Uriah says, I'm not going out. I'm not going home because I've got to be with the guys because we're still at war. And so he sleeps on the outside of his porch and doesn't go home. So because that plan didn't work, then he, then he calls Joab, the leader of the army, and he says, come here. He says, tomorrow when y'all go out to war, I need you to put Uriah right on the front lines. And just as he asked, they went out to war, and Uriah was on the front lines, and Uriah got killed. So now he commits adultery, and then he has his, 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 his adulterous woman's husband killed. And so he just begins to do one thing after another. And then, and then that, if that's not enough, he gets Joab involved. And then he loses the kid, they lose the kid together. So he makes all these mistakes. But I said all that to say this. David repented. David said he was sorry. And the Bible says in Acts 13, Paul quotes him. And he says when he had removed him, he's, he's telling about the Old Testament. And he said when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king to whom he gave testimony. And watch this. And he said, this needs to resonate with somebody here. He says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. You know what that shows me? It doesn't, again, it doesn't show me that I should go out and mess up because God will forgive me. It shows me that if I've messed up, look at the person next to you and tell them you can't unscramble scrambled eggs. Tell the person online that you're sitting next to, you can't unscramble scrambled eggs. What does that mean? That means you can't go back and fix a mess up. I'm not saying you can't make it right. That's what you need to do. But you can't go unscramble scrambled eggs. Once they're scrambled, they're scrambled. You got to eat them. So we got to understand, watch this. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Admitting to yourself that you made a mistake and identifying where you went wrong is the first step to growing and healing. Can I say that again? How do, how do I get my healing, Pastor? How do I get past my past? You've got to admit you made a mistake. What do they teach you in AA? Some of y'all could answer that. What do they teach you in NA? Some of y'all could answer that. 
I, you have to admit that you got a problem. Right? So we have to admit. So if I say, I made a mistake, that's the first beginning of healing and recognizing. Because you know what the problem is with a lot of our past? We blame everybody else for our mistakes. Oh, that was a good place to say amen. I heard one back here. I think it came from the kids area. I heard it. The blame, yeah, we blame it. Oh, they made me do it, and so this happened, and that happened. We've we got to be responsible for our actions. David became responsible. He, he admitted he made a mistake. See, the hope this morning is that someone like David can do what David did and still have God's heart. That's, you know what that shows? The character of God. That God is more willing to forgive us than we are even to ask him. How many know the Bible says if, we're, if we'll confess our sins, he is mean and unjust? That's not what it says, is it? Some of y'all looking like. First John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from some of our sins. From the small sins. Not the big ones. I'm just trying to make sure you're paying attention. Let's read the whole thing. He says, he says if, you're, if you'll confess your sin, if you'll admit it and come forth straight and confess it. Talking about that with the men on Friday morning. If you mess up, fess up. Tell that to the person next to you. Don't, don't mess it up. If you mess up, fess up. Amen? If you mess up, fess up. Because if you've messed up, you've messed up. But you know what we should do when we make a mistake? Make it right. Come forth and fess up on it. Amen? Be, be open about it. Be real about it. So David came forth. He made it right. And then we get that healing. And he got to a place where he had God's heart. Because he, he admitted it and he made it right. Came around to it. And he, he got things in order. I want to close with this this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Look at this. How do I do this? How do I get healed from my past? How do I walk in healing this morning of my past? He says, put off concerning your former conduct. That means you've got to stop acting like you used to act. You've got to stop thinking like you used to think. You've got to stop talking like you used to talk, and you just stop running with those who do those things. You've got to cut some relationships. You've got to block some people on Facebook. You got to get off Facebook. Amen? Some of us need to get off Facebook. Can I get it? No, no amen there. Okay. All right. No amen. I, we, need to, we, need to, we need to make some decisions. Find out, recognize where I made my mistake, go back, recognize it, and, and identify it, and then God can begin to heal me. So he says, put off concerning your formal conduct. The old man which goes corrupt according to to the deceitful lust. Meaning if I'm feeding my lust, I'm gonna, it's going to grow. He says, be renewed by the spirit of your mind. That goes back to the first week, doesn't it? Healing of our mind. And he says that you would put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And that's where that verse in 1 John comes in and says, if I, am, if I will confess my sins, he is faithful and just, to forgive me of all of my sins. And listen to this. Cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. How many are thankful that God will cleanse you this morning of all of your unrighteousness? Amen? All of it. Every single bit of it. If you will admit it. Now, as I begin to close, I want you to think about something. Here's the thing. We have to apply. 
Earlier, Paul said, I don't comprehend everything, but this thing I understand. Let me make it simple for you. One of the things that's made the gospel the most simple to me is when I think back to the book of Exodus, and how many have ever heard the word Passover? Okay? When, 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 G, when God was going to kill all the firstborn children, He told them, I want you to go kill the, the, the lamb, and I want you to take the blood, and if you'll put it on the doorpost, when I pass over, if that blood's on the doorpost, I will not kill your firstborn son, and the death angel will pass over. So what does that mean? We have to take this word that we're reading and not just listen to it, but we have to apply it. We know the sh- we, know- we believe the blood was shed on the cross. We believe Jesus died on the cross. We believe he- everything He said in His Word, but we don't apply it a lot of times. And so what does that mean? That means the blood is in the basin. So He said kill that lamb, but it wasn't enough to kill the lamb and put the blood in the basin. That blood in the basin is no good if I don't put it on the doorpost. It don't matter how much knowledge you have. It doesn't matter how much understanding you have. It doesn't matter how many times a week you come to church. It doesn't matter if you do all these things right. If you don't apply the blood of Jesus to your life, if you don't really believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, if you don't really believe that He can heal your past, if you don't really believe He can give you a new future, then you're not doing anything. But when you take that blood and you apply it to the doorpost, when that death angel comes, He will pass over you. And you'll have the blessings of God got to apply the blood apply the blood the blood is already shed that means there's nothing left for us to do except apply it how many know we don't have any power in the blood we just have the power to apply it so when the devil comes to you and says so and so remember that thing you used to do remember that thing you did or sometimes your past will come right in front of you like with Carla Faye Tucker because she got forgiven didn't she If she confessed her sins to the Lord and she truly believed that she was forgiven, Jesus forgave her. She made an impact on all those men. But guess what? She still died of lethal injection. That means sometimes our sins, we're going to have to pay for them. But it doesn't mean they're not under the blood. Look at David. In that same situation, when he committed the affair and killed the husband of of Bathsheba, guess what? The son that 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 she conceived from him died. He lost the son. But here's the mercy of God. He made it right and he married her. And then she gave birth to a man named Solomon. And so that same womb that made a mistake, that same womb that was the one that brought forth an adulterous baby that died, is the same womb that was forgiven and healed and brought forth Solomon, which was the lineage of Jesus. Jesus came through. That's why they call him Son of David. Is anybody catching this this morning? God can take your mess and He can take your tragedy and He can turn to triumph. Now listen, God does not bless mess. I say, I say, God don't bless mess. Listen, but He can bless your mess. Yes, He can. He can take what you messed up. He don't bless it when you're doing it. But He can take a messed up situation he, and, and he can take a heart that's repentive and he can turn it around and he can turn it into something good for his glory. Amen? You can't go back and, and change what you did, but you can change what you do with it. And that's what God asks us to do. I want to give you one last story as the musicians begin to come. How many have ever heard of Watergate? 
Now, most of us, well, some of us, I think most of us weren't alive. I was barely a twinkle in my father's eye when this happened in 1972. Some of us maybe weren't old enough, but you remember it in history, or maybe you didn't pay attention. But hopefully you've at least heard of Watergate, the scandal of the 37th president, Richard Nixon. He committed obstruction of justice, abuse of power, and contempt of Congress, and became the only president in our history to resign from his presidency. Does that ring a bell? Watergate? Okay, well, I just gave you a history lesson in church. Amen. So this happens, and Richard Nixon, the president's right-hand man, is named Chuck Colson. And this man is a lawyer, a heavy, powerful lawyer involved in, in uh, everything Nixon is doing. And so he goes down in this crime. And he is sent to federal prison for obstruction of justice, abuse of power, and contempt of Congress. Let me know those are some serious offenses. How many know prison's bad, but federal prison's worse? Right? So this same guy who did all these things wrong and made a huge mistake, gets into prison just like Carla Faye Tucker and gets saved. One year after he gets into prison. Say, we might say, oh, atheists and all, 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 uh, all atheists. Sorry, there's no atheists in foxholes. That's jailhouse religion and blah, blah, blah. There are a lot of people who have jailhouse religion. But it's what you do with it when you get out. So Chuck Colson's in federal prison. God gets a hold of his life. And he starts a ministry called Prison Fellowship. And today, this is 40 or 50 years later, that's the world's largest Christian outreach to prisoners and their families. And Prison Fellowship has more than 50,000 volunteers in the world working in thousands of prisons in over 88 countries of the world. So sometimes, church, God can take our past, and if we'll admit, I want you to write one more thing down. If you'll if you recognize, sorry, okay, recognize I've made a mistake. In other words, own up to your past. Does that make sense to you guys? If, because... It's in, it's a, this, is in, this is important to understand. If I did something wrong and I don't recognize it, guess what will guess happen? I'll do it again. Are you all here? So I have to recognize it. And if I own up to it, something good can happen. But if I don't, then, I, then I'm not taking ownership for it and I'm going to blame somebody else for it. So I recognize it. And then I admit it. What did Jesus say there? He said, if you confess your sins. If you confess. That means I've got to confess. That means I've got to come clean. I fess up when I mess up. Jesus, I made a mistake. I did this. I own it. I'm responsible. I'm not blaming somebody else. Not meaning there aren't circumstances. But how many know you've got to pay the fiddler? When you dance, you got to pay the fiddle. You, you, Carla Faye Tucker got saved, but she still had to pay for her, for her crime. Chuck Colson still had to spend time in federal prison. But when you recognize it and you admit it and you learn from it, then God can do something. And then once you've learned from it, guess what you need to do? Forget it. Bury it. 
Leave it alone. Don't dig it back up. How many have scars in here this morning? Anybody have scars of more than 15 stitches? 20? 30? So 20, 30 range. I'm in there. I tore my arm up real bad when we were remodeling this building. Got 22 stitches on my arm. Almost cut my bicep off on a, on a metal grinder. It's a, I have a scar there. When I, when, I got that, when I got that tear, Carla wanted to give me some pretty stuff for my skin so I wouldn't have a bad scar. And I said, no, I want people to see this thing. Because I want to remember what it felt like when that grinder hit my arm. Amen? But today I can rub it and, and scratch it and do all kinds. It's, it's just a scar. But I'm not going to dig that thing back up again. Because that scar means it's healed. And a lot of us are walking around with spiritual scars. But they're scars. And you can look at it and say, if I'm smart, I say, man, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have been on that ladder with that thing. I shouldn't have gotten in a hurry. Jennifer's husband, Christophe, was using it for like three hours before me. Now, he didn't get a lot cut, but he didn't cut himself either. Because he was taking his time. I got that thing recklessly from using it so many times and was in a hurry and pushed hard and that thing bounced back at me and it could have been way worse. Dwayne was right there with me. And I was mad, huh, that we had to go to the hospital. I was mad, more mad that we had to stop working than I was about my arm being cut. But the, the, the bottom line is that scar reminds me, don't get on the ladder, don't be in a hurry with that metal grinder. I've learned from it. And, and most likely, church, I will never cut my arm open again with a metal grinder. Because that scar reminds me. How many get what I'm saying? If you look at your scar and say it's healed, I'm not going to dig it back up. Because it's painful. Why, why? And, and here's the last thought, church. How many know we live in a world that's got a lot of problems? A lot of problems. There's a lot of difficulties for us as Christians. So don't add stuff to your problems by yourself. Don't self-inflict your problems. You've got enough problems in this world without you making dumb mistakes or, or believing your past or resurrecting your past or bringing something back up from the past and letting it destroy you. Father, I pray this morning for healing. Lots of situations are represented in this place. Lots of situations are represented with those watching online. Mistakes we've made, God, that the devil for years has tried to Hold over us. I'm speaking to some people this morning that if you're here and you've made some mistakes, the devil's trying to hold over you. God says, let it go. I died for that. I took that on the cross. That was one of the sins that I took on my body was your failure, your past, your mistakes, your disobedience. All those things. They're, they're under the blood this morning. Jesus says, I died for those things give them to me don't hold on to them anymore because your past has no future let you get past your past learn from it and move on make it right own it be responsible and move on and let that failure that mistake or that past be something that you can use to help somebody else save their lives from problems God can take today if you've got a past that's really tainted Maybe it's embarrassing. Maybe you think there's no hope for a great future. I want to give you hope this morning. 
that God will make rivers in the desert. And He'll make roads in the wilderness. And He'll do supernatural things if you'll just say, God, I believe what Your Word says, that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed here in the sanctuary and those watching online, how many today would be honest with God and say, Pastor, before we leave, I need to say a prayer. I need to make sure this morning that my heart is right with you. I need to ask you to forgive me. I've got some things that I need to confess. I need to fess up from my mess up. I need to make it right. And just say, Pastor, would you agree with me in prayer? And I want, to, I want to make Jesus today the Lord of my life. I want to be born again. If you've never done that in this place, would you lift your hand across this place and let me pray with you? Just put it up and put it right back down. You've never said that prayer. I see your hand. How many more? All over across this place. I've never said that prayer. Amen. Come on. Let's just, I'm going to wait just a moment. You've never said that prayer. Maybe you've been in church a long time, but you've never said that prayer. The Bible says even the demons believe in God and tremble. It's not about just believing or just being here. It's about saying, God, I want to give you my life. I want to give you my past. I want to give you my future. Maybe you're here and at some point in your life you said that prayer. You said, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. And you accepted Him as your Lord and Savior. But today, on September 27th of 2020, you are not living the life that God wants you to live. You've been running from Him. You've been making mistakes. Or maybe you've just thought, you know what? What I've done is too wrong. God won't forgive me. Well, today the devil is a liar. And God has shown you that He will. If that's you, would you lift your hand and say, I need to come home today. I need to come back to the Lord this morning. Just lift your hand all over this place. Online, you're watching right now. That's you. God's speaking. You were going to say a prayer in just a minute for those of you that are online. And those that are here. Church, would you stand with me this morning and stay in reverence to the Holy Spirit? As right now there's souls that are in the balance. Decisions need to be made. I cannot emphasize enough you coming to this morning. As great as it is that you came to church this morning, this church is not going to save you. I can't save you. Nobody in here can save you. Your spouse can't save you. The only one that can save you is the blood of Jesus. And you've got to apply it to the doorpost today. And you've got to say, I believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but Him. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but right now something's telling you in your heart, I need to say that prayer. I need to make that statement of faith. I'm not ashamed of God. I'm not ashamed of my scars because Jesus forgave Him. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to look to that prize and I'm going to get healed this morning. If you raised your hand in here this morning, I want to ask you to do one more thing. I want to ask you to be bold. I want to ask you to find the nearest aisle and step out of your seat and come down here right in front of everybody. And I want to pray with you this morning. Quickly, just step out. If you raised your hand. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come. Come on, several hands went up. I'm going to wait just a moment. I'll stand right here and wait for you. I want to say a prayer with you. Right now, right here. Amen. Make a public confession of your faith. Amen. Come on, let's give them a big hand. Praise God. I want to I say one more thing. I don't, I don't usually do this, but if you're here and you believe, I, I believe you believe. 
but, but you've ne- maybe you said the prayer in your house or in the car or whatever, but you've never made a public confession of your faith. There's something powerful about telling everybody in this room, I accept Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus. It, it, it does something. I can't get away from the verses that Jesus said in the Bible. He said, if you will confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father that's in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my Father that's in heaven. There's something about a public confession. If I could go to to the Cowboys Stadium right now with this microphone, I'd speak to 80,000 people with no ashamed fear of anything because Jesus means everything to me. I want everybody to know that Jesus is Lord of my life. So if you haven't done that, I'm going to give you just a second. Maybe you have you said, you, you said the prayer, but you haven't done it publicly. It's the same thing that baptism does, water baptism. You get baptized because of the symbolism of it, but you also get baptized to show people that you are making a public statement of faith. So I'm going to wait five seconds. If there's anybody in here, how many would say, I've never made that a public statement, and I want to do it this morning? Five, just step out of your seat. Four, three. Two, one. I've got to believe every single one of you have done that. Amen. God knows. Let's say this prayer with these precious people this morning and those that are watching online. Everybody say this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. I admit I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. My goodness and righteousness is like filthy rags. I don't deserve your forgiveness, but you're a merciful God. And I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. And today, I accept you as my Savior. I confess you as Master, and I ask you to cleanse me from every sin I've ever done and wash me clean in your precious blood in Jesus name would you write my name in the Lamb's book of life and from this day forward I'm going to serve you and I'm going to live for you in Jesus name Amen can we give a big shout to God for these decisions Amen